Welcome to The Label Podcast, a show about disability, illness and difference. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. forget in this episode i might swear lucy might cry and you can check out details of the trigger warnings on our website <laughs> i should bring my microphone to me <laughs> it's a fucking good start hi everyone <laughs> oh. this is what happens when we record on a sunday <laughs> it's the labeled podcast i'm sure you guys are used to our chaos but for those of you who are new we are a podcast about uh disability illness and difference and we are in the middle of our lgbtqia plus pride series where we are talking to people who identify within the lgbtq plus community who also have a disability or health difference uh with me as usual this week is lucy wood hello Hi. Hi. You're right. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm feeling a little bit embarrassed for just giving you shit for knocking your microphone <laughs> over when uh, my microphone was still two feet away. I have me. spazzy hands. Uh, that's what my excuse is. What is yours? It was outside of my field of vision. That's <laughs> okay. what it was. Fair enough. That's we'll let you off. That is my excuse, and I'm fucking sticking to it. <laughs> Disability cards both played there. Congratulations. <laughs> yes. Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what have you been up to, Luz? Uh What have I been up to? Uh, not a lot, really. Work at, uh, my lift is being installed this week, so it is the calm before the storm. We're tidying the stairs, making sure there's enough space because I'm having a new lift installed in my house uh, this week. So I've got the week off work, but can't really do anything with it because of noise and builders being needed to supervise. So, you know. Can't, can't are, go anywhere. You are going to stay in a luxury hotel. Yeah, I'm going to stay at the Premier and down the road so that I can have <laughs> a shower and a proper bath because I'm not sleeping on the sofa and I often stink if left unattended for too long. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to stay in Costa del Rugely opposite a McDonald's for three nights. <laughs> but come and uh, enjoy the day, you see? Yeah. Yeah. My mum isn't my mum isn't looking forward to stopping in a premier inn because she says I snore and I don't know what to do with my arms in bed. <laughs> so, you know. Um <laughs> Good luck everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh you guys may hear chuckling away in the background our <laughs> guest today. Um everybody give a warm welcome to my friend lee our guest this week lee would you like to introduce yourself um i can do um i'm <laughs> lee i'm a 31 year old gay man uh, i'm a drama teacher at a uh a high school in leicestershire um and i'm hiv positive thank you very much for coming on lee really excited to have you on um I'm looking forward to, to 
sort of hearing some of Lee's stories, I have some shocking stories about um, my hen night, which Lee came on with, <laughs> with me. It's definitely going oh, to be some yes. photos to share. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tell me and... everything, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I think that the one big thing that really stands out is the picture of Lee and I... Uh, I think Lee is doing me from behind with an inflatable <laughs> penis. Oh, okay. I thought that was what everyone did on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm sure I can dig that photo out and put it all over social media. I have no shame. So. Yeah, you should. You should. I'm, down for it. I'm down for it. <laughs> exactly. We're going to have to pixelate your face out for, for like work purposes. Like, <laughs> I don't know who this man is. <laughs> Is that worse? That I don't know who that man is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Redacted. <laughs> yeah, that, that thing where everyone knows who it is, but you've just put the most minimum amount of research in. <laughs> yeah. We've not got the budget for like whole pixelated faces. <laughs> no, no, we are not a high budget, highfalutin show here. No. Um, so, Lee, uh, we decided to. Uh, gather some people together for our uh to do a show about lgbtq pride and you know health difference and of course you know one of the things that i think a lot of the uh people who exist outside of the um gay and disabled communities first kind of thing that they think of when they think of uh disability and homosexuality is obviously um HIV, particularly, you know, those, those, the crisis in the 80s. And I always think of the lovely films like Philadelphia, um, which are, you know, wonderful depictions of the um, HIV and AIDS experience. And obviously, I think, um, you know, the, the AIDS and HIV experience is very different now in 2022 mm -hmm. than it was in the late 80s, early 90s. But um, I don't know if you want to just sort of share a little bit about your sort of um, experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, so I think uh, you're absolutely right in terms of kind of the way that um, HIV impacts people's lives now um, in compare in comparison to like the 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 crisis in the in the 80s. Uh, it's completely different. It's so much more manageable, um, but the stigma from the 80s is still 100 percent mm. there and it mm. isn't shifting and it's really really frustrating um so i knew very very little about um hiv growing up like anyone that's kind of in our age bracket i think has that same thing because i'm an educator as well i'm going to kind of segue a little bit here but um the whole thing where schools weren't allowed to talk about sexuality and so that meant that schools didn't really teach about hiv other than the fact that it existed and if you got it you died and that was it mm. that was kind of what what you get you, what you get taught is it's it's the one std you can never get rid of is there forever and you end up dying mm. and that was it. it glazed over um and obviously my parents went through lived through the 80s and so anything that i hear from them was all the remnants of that of that 80s crisis um and so um, and I didn't do any research myself because, um, as a as a gay man, um, anal sex isn't really kind of part of what I'm what I'm about. So I didn't think I was really at any risk either. Um, and so then, as my kind of development, as you know, my my sexual development as a gay man, kind of started to progress, and I started to be a little bit more experimental in what I was doing sexually, I 
I managed to contract HIV the first time I had anal sex. It was uh, the most unfortunate experience, I think, <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, and so I, in terms of kind of diagnosis, my I noticed that I was like consistently sick, like with a cold or a sore throat, or there was something wrong with me consistently for about three months. Um, my diet um, had meant that I was getting really bad um, digestion issues. Um, I was constantly in and out of the toilet. I was like, normally I'm a really solid sleeper and I was having to wake up in the night and go to the toilet two or three times. And it was always quite unpleasant. Um, and my face started to break out. Um, uh, I started to get quite bad, like rosacea in my cheeks. Um, and then that started to kind of become acne as time went on as well. Um, and so I went to the doctor and they did a load of tests and kind of, it was only eventually when they sent me for blood tests. And then the doctor said, as they do, um, we'll only call you if something's wrong, which is a terrible thing to say. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, that no, because... that is, yeah, because it's like, yeah, 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 you don't, you don't think to say, oh, the doctor's calling, this is going to be good news. Exactly. So yeah. I'm sat there, I'm sat there, you know, <laughs> balls deep in a, in a, um, in an, in an assessment. Um, and, and I get a phone call. So I'm sat at my computer and then my phone rings and it's like five to six. Um, and it's the doctor's and I'm like, the doctor closes at six. So I answer it and he's like, hi Lee, can you, um, pop down to the clinic? Like not like, like three weeks. Jesus Christ! Like yeah. three weeks, not, not three weeks on Thursday. Like now, no, no yeah. immediately. And I'm like, yeah. When do you want me to come? And he's like, yeah, now. And I'm like, but you close in five minutes. He's like, yeah. So if you could come in through the the door in the car park, that'd be great. And I'm like, this is dodgy as fuck. What is this? <laughs> like, um, so, so off off I go. Like it's a twenty minute walk to the doctor's, and that twenty minute walk is horrific. Terrifying. Yeah. Um, okay. yeah, because now obviously you know I'm I'm blow my own horn here but i'm quite a smart guy and so i'm already thinking i've twigged that my immune system is 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 shot um and so in the back of my brain somewhere the hiv thing is playing you know yeah. it's there and it's going that's what this is that's what this is that's what this is and i'm like i have had sex one time like come on <laughs> this can't <laughs> this can't possibly be a thing so I get to the doctors completely deserted. Um, I go into the car park and the doctor is there with um, with the reception staff um, waiting for me. So I go in, they lock the door behind me. Um, lock I, the, I mean, they lock the door. I'd be like, well, yeah, I know. this is some so horror film, this. It's, it was terrifying. Yeah. Um, and I sit in the doctor's um, and so the receptionist obviously goes back to the reception desk. So I'm there in the doctor's um, office just with him. And he's he's fantastic, you know. He's like, okay, so um, your blood results are back um, and your HIV test has come back positive. And he said it just like that at that pace so mm. my brain didn't you know, it takes a moment for yeah my brain to to kind of go wait what the fuck did he just say <laughs> um and first instinct straight off was denial i was a hundred percent certain the doctor was lying he wanted to ruin my life right there at the back was you're gonna die now you know like that's mm, that's what's yeah. there because the only education I had was the stigma from the 80s, the stuff that I learned from a school that's not allowed to talk about sexuality. And my parents who went through the the, the AIDS crisis of everyone dying in the 80s, you know, mm. um, and my parents haven't really engaged with the LGBT community growing up. My mum, I think she started to twig. Probably, I didn't come out till I was 18, till I came to university. So my mum started to twig, I think, when I was in my teens. I was always not particularly laddish. Um, and I think dad was dad always seemed a bit disappointed um mine and my dad's relationship's a little bit strained mum and dad are still together um and i do still you know see them um but 
mine and my dad's relationship, we were never really close. He was always a lot closer to my sister. I think because she fitted, he's very traditional and Mm -hmm. um, she fits the criteria of what a little girl should have been. And I didn't really fit the criteria of what a little boy should have been. I took an interest in my academics and I did, you know, I was doing well at school and I didn't like sport and I was a little bit outgoing and I liked drama and all of these things that my dad couldn't relate to. So I think he didn't know how to interact with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so actually I grew up in a household that was a little bit homophobic, actually. Um, So, you know, there there were times where my, my dad would say to me, you know, we'd be watching the telly and it was... About the end of the 90s um, and the start of the 2000s, when all of the kind of gay storylines started coming out in the soaps, which is obviously mm. television that's de- designed for people like my dad. Um, so, you know, he's watching that and he, he turns to me and he's like, if you ever bring a, a boy home, Lee, you'll be out. And mum was like, I don't mind if you bring a boy home, Lee, as long as you're not a drug dealer. So yeah. and those were kind of... <laughs> Those were my <laughs> two criteria. Lesser of the two evils. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, I had two life choices I was supposed to avoid. <laughs> whoops, I still chose one of them. Um, I'm sat there in the doctor's surgery. Got that thought at the back of my brain, denying everything the doctor's telling me, telling me he's wrong. Um, and I physically lose my shit. Now, I'm incredibly, um, I'm excitable as a person. I'm emotive. But I'm 100% a pacifist. Like, I don't believe in violence at all. No. Um, and I I trashed this doctor's room. Like, I went into a rage. And this doctor, honest to God, he was brilliant. He just sat there. He just sat there and let it happen. And then after I couldn't do anything else, into, I couldn't <laughs> knock anything else off the surfaces. <laughs> I couldn't do anything else. And I just sat down. He just went, are you done? And I was like, yeah, I think so. I'm really sorry. <laughs> and he was like, it's okay. Let's talk about, let's talk about it, you know? Um, and so the next day I had to go to the hospital and have a load of bloods taken. Um, and um, they talked to me a little bit more about that. He said, you know, things have come on a long way. You're essentially going to live a really, really normal life. It, it, you know, it, it's not, it's not anything to worry about. It's not the same way that no. it was. And you hear it and you go, okay, that is a little bit reassuring. But there's mm. still the half of your brain that says, yeah. but you're not living it. So you don't really know. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah, you've yeah. got that. You know, that in disconnect. a funny way with, with my experience with my disability that I get that very much. Yeah. It's, I was uh, going to say exactly the same thing. It's the same thing for me as well. The same, you know, they say, you know, this is what it's going to be like. You're going to be absolutely fine. You think, yeah, but you're not the one that's living with. Exactly. And you're, you're not the one who has to deal with the, like frustrations mm. and um mm. you know the impotencies that you when you can't do something even if you really really want to and you're really trying or when you're if something hurts and mm. you can't stop it you yeah. know things like that it's that is that kind of exactly that um yeah all or right like, you you come back to me when you've got this <laughs> yeah or like weighing weighing up what you can and can't do because of energy levels and pain levels yeah. the next day because you think if this is gonna hurt in the morning but I've got to do this, that kind of thing. You're like, yeah, that's that's completely normal. That's what everybody yeah. else does. I think you what know? was what was what was really weird as well. Um, I'm really uh, kind of interesting to think about. Um, is that the doctor in in order to try and kind of equivalent this? It kind of, he he said um, it's much easier living with HIV now than it is living with something like diabetes. Mm-hmm. And so he compared those two conditions against each other, which I don't think until today I don't think I've ever reflected on how that's kind of bad, right? Mm. <laughs> like, that's that's yeah. kind of bad. So, but I mean, again, I still took that point on and obviously the memory is there. So obviously it had, it had some sort of impact. 
I mean, the irony being the tablets that they eventually then put me on for HIV have a link to causing <laughs> causing diabetes. <laughs> No, it swings and roundabout, um, and I'm literally due to go to the hospital next week because of a diabetes scare. So this is great. Um, so that was a thing. Um, Thank you so much. Um, but you know, I've had I've had ten years of my life where it's been easier than it will be for the, the next however many years. So yeah. Um, so that was kind of in terms of kind of the medical diagnosis. That was that was that. Um, the problem so then he was like oh here's my mobile number if you need me between now and then at any time you can contact me so that was really awesome as well um and then he was like have you got somewhere to go um and truth be told i didn't uh, i didn't have anywhere to go i could have gone home uh my best mate was there but my best mate at the time was on oddball uh <laughs> and not someone that i felt like i could immediately talk to about this mm but when someone says to you have you got somewhere to go and you just don't want to be sat in their room anymore you're going to say yes because you don't want to be sat yeah. in their room anymore i was saying yeah. anything i could to get the fuck out of there yeah. yeah um so i was like yeah yeah yeah, course 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 uh, and he was like okay and you're gonna be all right getting there do you need me to call you a taxi and i was like no it's fine i can i can get there um so i left the do doctor's surgery they unlocked the door and i went back out into the car park uh and um and i walked to work by default I didn't know what else to do um I didn't want to go home to where there was you know one person I wanted to be somewhere that was completely detached from everything so I was working at the theater in Leicester at the time um I'd been working there for four years um so I walked to work and outside work I saw someone that I was well acquainted with but I wouldn't really consider them a friend mm -hmm. um but um a gay man and a gay older man um and um he was like Ali are you all right and I was like no actually uh and he stopped and he's like what's what's the matter like he was obviously leaving work to go to go home but he stopped um and I was just like I've just come back from the doctors um and I'm HIV positive and that was where the the, the tears came and mm. he was like okay come come with me so he took me in to work uh found the the manager that was on shift now i was a team of the front of house managers so they knew who i was um and um he was like lee needs somewhere to go um so they took me to this little like supply room um and uh i was sat there so the main reason that i'd gone to work is um i think because the person like I had sex one time where this had come from was immediately apparent to me. And I know mm. that the guy that I'd slept with, like I was, it wasn't like a, a foolish one night stand. That wasn't it. I'd been seeing this guy for a while. Um, we'd had conversations about if we were, you know, if we were clean, if we'd had sexual health screenings, blah, 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 blah. We had all of that conversation um, because I, you know, I'm not stupid. So we'd done all mm. of that. Um, and the fact of the matter is this guy had lied to me. That's the, that's the fact of the matter. Yeah. Um, but at, at, at that point, that wasn't what I was thinking because actually I was thinking this guy has an illness that he doesn't know about. And yeah. I yeah. now need to tell him, even though he's the fucker that gave it to me in the first place. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's such a complex state of being because that thing that the doctor has was trained for to have that conversation with me is then left to me to tell this other guy. Like, yeah and that's fucking horrible Ooh. like so bad so he was working on a show um and by the time i got to the doctors it was uh, not the doctors by the time i got to the theater it was seven o'clock and the show went up at seven forty-five. and there was no way i could tell him before the show that would have been awful yeah. um so i had to sit in that room 
for three hours <laughs> because I didn't know I couldn't go home I didn't know what else to do so I sat in that room and waited to tell him after the show and me and him had kind of fallen out a little bit so he didn't really want to talk to me and I had to get other members of staff at Curve to go and say no you seriously you, you need to speak to him so while I was in that room I called um I called another one of my best friends who I, I now live with. Um, she's she's still really, really dear to me. Um, I called her uh, and I have a track record in my life of being incredibly unlucky. And genuinely, when I told her and her partner that this had happened, uh, and this is the kind of friendship we have, she was laughing at the other end of the phone, like this could only have happened to you. <laughs> like this kind of, have sex one time, get HIV. That is, you know, that is a classic <laughs> Lee move. Um, Your so, friends sound like my friends, to be honest. <laughs> Well, I think when when you have when you have situations like you know disabilities and health conditions and yeah. and things that once they're there you can't change, the only thing you can do is laugh about them because if yeah. you take them one hundred percent seriously all the time, yeah. then you're not going to get anywhere in life. You're going to spend the whole of life being miserable and depressed. So yeah, you need no. to be able to laugh about this. You stuff. do, don't you? Yeah. So that kind of made me feel a little bit better. And then uh, when uh, the guy that I need to speak to came after the show, and I told him, his reaction was. So I said, um, so I've just come back from the doctors um, and I'm HIV positive. And he went, oh, where did you get that from? And I was like, oh, fucking hell, really? That's that's the approach you want to take? Yeah. So, you know, um, I was like, well, you're the only person I've slept with literally ever. So um, yeah. you do the maths, mate. Um, and from there, he took a couple of minutes and came back. And um, we then approached the entire thing together which was nice so mm. um I went back to his that night just so we had someone in terms of support um so um we kind of spent the evening talking about things and then the next day we went to the hospital together um so he could get tested and confirmed um which which confirmed that, that he was HIV positive as well um get our initial kind of blood results with how much of the virus was in our blood and how long before they thought they need to put us on medication because essentially when you get your HIV diagnosis what they do is they look at your um your viral load mm -hmm. and they wait until your viral load hits a certain point before they put you on medication because once right. you're on medication you're on medication forever you can't right. stop it you can't yeah um so that was um so going through that process with someone the following day was an absolute godsend um i don't know how i would have felt if i'd have been on my own and anyone that's had to go through that on on their own like jesus christ i commend you because that that it it was a horrible horrible time like really really bad yeah. um and since then me and him have obviously remained um friends um he's not local to the leicester area he kind of travels around for work um and so he just um we see each other about once a year and touch base on how things are with health and stuff and he doesn't really tell many people about about his his health condition either i think he keeps it very close to himself mm -hmm. um and for the most part i follow suit um it's something that over the last 10 years i'm getting more and more comfortable kind of talking about with people but there's there's an obligation that you have and this is something that makes i think hiv a little bit different from some other health conditions is um if you want to get sexually intimate with someone you kind of need to tell them regardless mm -hmm. you know yeah. um like even if you were insistent on using a condom every time you still need to tell them just in case mm -hmm. you know um just in case something happens or just in case they decide that they're gonna presume you're clean and you know 
you've got to have that and i hate that phrase clean it's just what's used in the gay world but it's, it's gross and it needs to not exist anymore yeah. um so it it means that anytime that i went on a date with someone you know as soon as i had to gauge when is the appropriate time mm. to bring this up and sometimes i got that wrong and i brought it up too early and sometimes i got it wrong and i brought it up too late and the response completely varies from different mm. guys as well um like yeah uh, I'm very, very fortunate that kind of my last two boyfriends um, have been really, really smart, you know, and able to process that um, really well. But even then, like my, um, my, I've got my current boyfriend and my last boyfriend, my last boyfriend, he took a, a bit of time to, to process it. And I think that was because we'd, we'd gone to, uh, we'd met up, we'd met on an app, we'd got met up, we'd gone to a, a pub, you know, we'd had some food, we'd had some drinks, we got on really, really well, we'd gone back to his, we were watching a Netflix show, we were laughing at the same things, it was all going really, really well. And then things started to get a little bit physical. And then I was like, I need to tell you this. And then the response was, I knew everything was too perfect. And then I'm like, yeah. that's a smear. Do you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. full on. A, of, and I appreciate that he was being honest and he was telling me his interpretation, you know? So yeah. I'm not offended by the way that, that that went down at all. I'm just thinking yeah. about the impact that that then it has. Kinda, it's kind of a mood killer, isn't it? <laughs> oh, absolutely. It, and yeah. it, it was. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's almost, it's not, re-traumatizing is not the but it's a bit salt in the wound isn't it it's mm -hmm. a bit you know this is already something that you're not it's not like you're going hey i've got great news <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hi. <laughs> it's already something that you're kind of carrying around that you're anxious about sharing with you're anxious about the impact it's going to have on them and you and you know your health never mind your kind of intimacy and relationship yeah. so then kind of it's not to be rejected because of it because it doesn't sound like an outright rejection but it is a for them to go oh hang on wait a minute <laughs> like mm -hmm. uh, you know yeah I, I was really hot on you and now i'm blowing a little bit cold <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, exactly and that, that's that's 100 percent how how it was yeah. um and it, that it, it just it sucks and then so over kind of the next few days because that was our, our first date you know we were speaking a lot and then and he was being honest and he'd reached out to some of his friends and been mm. like, I met this really awesome guy, but he's got HIV. What do I do? What do I do? He'd spoken to his, you know, his family and, you know, they didn't know me. So again, I'm not taking this as an attack on me. I'm taking it as people's interpretation of yeah. HIV as a virus, you know, yeah. um, but everyone basically said to him, stay the fuck away, you know, yeah. like clear out. Yeah. And that didn't happen, thankfully, because we talked it through. Um, but, you know, that is people's interpretation is yeah you don't want to get involved in that it's too complex you know mm. fail. And I, I think as well it, you know there's a lot of similarities there with being disabled and dating when mm -hmm. you're disabled for me I'm a I'm a visually disabled you know I'm visibly disabled um and it, it you know when, when I'm on dating apps and things like that I've now decided that I have to have like a mix of photographs so they can mm -hmm. see straight away in my wheelchair um, because it clears up like, you know, time wasters from the people that are actually like, okay, we can perhaps give this a go. But um, even then, like, they'll go, you have to, you feel like you have to mention, oh, by the way, I'm in a wheelchair. And mm -hmm. then you get like really intrusive questions that you think I've mm -hmm. literally started talking to you five minutes ago. 
and now you're asking <laughs> yeah. me whether I can have sex. Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> or yeah. you get people who just disappear. They unmatch you mm. and they, they disappear. And mm. it's the same thing. Like, I'm not ashamed of my disability. I know my what I've got and the, the, the barriers we'd have to face together. But I don't need reminding about what's quote unquote wrong with me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, no, absolutely. It's a very... I think of the two things that you've just sort of talked about there, Lucy, I think actually the, the I mean, the intrusive questions are shit because they're never delivered no. in a sensitive way. No. But I can understand that if there is somebody out there who has never, you know, had a friend or a partner with a wheelchair, yeah. that they may have questions. And yeah. if they want to continue talking to you and they like you, that there are going to be questions they need to ask. It's about how they deliver it. Mm-hmm. I think the disappearing, the, you know, which is exactly what, um, you know, this guy's friends and families were saying to us, get the fuck out of there. Yeah. That's, that's so offensive because it's just like, this is not worth even asking questions about. Just get out. It's a bit like, oh, you're disgusting. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to be seen with you. Like, I don't want to be seen with somebody in a wheelchair looking like a carer. How you know, that's not that's not what I want. And yeah. the reality of it, the reality of it, reality of it is that they're, they're they're not my carer. Do you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. you know that's not what they're there for. They're not to like help me take my coat off when I arrive at a restaurant. Um, but you know, it's that kind of thing that if you if you like somebody, you do it anyway, wouldn't you? Without even questioning like do you want to have taking your coat off it's like mm-hmm. that but it's that kind of like oh no i'm not talking to you yes that's weird and i yes. think with heartbreaking with the you know hiv and the this the way that people kind of still believe that it impacts you know how the stigma and and things mm-hmm. like that 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 not wanting to be involved with someone it's it's the this isn't worth it for me mm-hmm. and it's not it's i mean it's seeing the illness isn't it seeing the disability mm-hmm. and not seeing the person that's that's on the other yeah. side of it yeah i mean it is but it's, it's also it's seeing it's seeing the illness of 30 years ago you know mm, yeah. I mean? like it's that's what it's because so the, the deal with hiv is once they then do put you on medication so obviously you're contagious so the the difference i guess and this isn't a trumping contest it's just a, an additional thing the difference yeah. with kind of between hiv and, and a disability here is that you know if i didn't tell someone and i slept with them and then all exactly. of a sudden they they've got that same condition do you know what yeah. i mean it's like being yeah. able to pass your disability on and i think anyone that's got a health condition or um a disability if you thought that that was a very real risk like my yeah. biggest fear is passing HIV on to someone else. That's my absolutely my biggest fear without a mm. shadow of a doubt, because I wouldn't want to inflict that on anyone. That is the reason I'm adopting, because my- Absolutely, absolutely. Genetic. And I'm just like, as much as I know that you can live a full life and be very happy in all of this with a visual impairment, I don't want to put m- my children through the difficulties yeah. and the, you know- the You've, li- you've, you've, lived, you've it. lived it firsthand, haven't you, Alice? It's like- exactly. if- if I knew that I could pass cerebral palsy on, I don't think I would, you know, do that to my ch- child either because mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, whilst we sit here and say, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's just part of life, we get on with it. It is, there is also a hell of a lot of shit to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I it's think, shitty, you know, I do, I do want to caveat, you know, that I, there are absolutely people out there with exactly. hereditary conditions who do make the choice, who, you know, and, and I have a friend who's, who gave the argument to me of well who who is 
go who that out there is better to parent a disabled child than a disabled parent and i get that i yeah. do absolutely. Yeah. but for me personally it's it's the guilt every yeah. time my blind child would come home from school and they've been bullied i yeah. would just i'd be i'd be overwhelmed by the guilt because that's my eye condition that i passed on and yeah. i imagine it's similar for you liz that every time you saw your partner was ill you saw your partner was afraid mm-hmm. you'd think that's because of you know the condition that i passed on to them yeah i mean and, and it would be if medicine hadn't come on the way that it has and has yeah. so much now and then yeah, you know so it, get, it gets to the point now where once once you're then on on tablets um and your viral load starts coming down it never disappears completely but once it gets below a certain level um you're then what's called clinically it's called un- undetectable um and it means that you cannot pass hiv on as long as you keep taking your medication and you keep that viral load down now if mm. i was to stop taking my medication that viral load will creep back up and i would become infectious again um mm. so um it's just about making sure that i'm super strict on my meds um which i am um and that's great but again it takes away an element of freedom because because that's my biggest fear it means that i can't just go out one night and then not come home do you know what i mean mm. like i can't i can't go to a mate's house and fall asleep on the couch and not go home until the morning because then i've missed taking one dose now a doctor would say to you well it doesn't matter that you've missed one dose um but to me that matters because you yeah. know it's almost like it's a i'm not taking my condition seriously i'm not taking the risk seriously i'm not taking xyz and so there's an element of responsibility that comes with an hiv diagnosis that's really yeah. really important and some people i don't know if you've watched it's a sin um Mm. but you know there's an element where some people just throw care to the wind and that can be a flight a fight or flight response you know Mm. um and that can be really dangerous so when you take your meds lee is Mm -hmm. it like the same time every day on the dot Mm -hmm. yeah um it doesn't need to be on the dot so it's not it's not the same time for me for me so my uh meds so it used to be um tablets for hiv used to be quite a complicated concoction of tablets Mm. um and now um there are options available where it's one tablet um that has a variety of different tablets all smushed into it basically um so i was on that from uh, i was on one tablet from 2012 through to i think last year um and now they've changed it for another one tablet um and the side the main side effect of that tablet is it kind of makes you a bit high for a little while um which is lovely if you like that um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, that's what you're into crack on yeah uh, but <laughs> i i am not into that so um i take the tablet before i go to bed and then basically sleep through the trip is mm. kind of what happens but that leads to some really fucked up dreams oh, yeah. and it makes getting up in the morning incredibly difficult because every single morning is essentially a come down mm. <laughs> um and so uh and that that that's lasting you know so as much as you get that you'll even lead a normal life it won't even be like you realize well actually i've got to make sure i'm home every night and every single fucking morning is an absolute bitch of a struggle now i struggled getting up anyway and this definitely made it worse now the tablets (laughs) they've changed me to has made it a little bit easier there is you know there's less of that side effect and it doesn't mean getting up in the mornings is a little bit simpler um but it's still there you know there's, there's still that that side effect that that is a pain in the ass and there's been a couple of times where i have missed the the dose of the the previous drug i was on um and i've taken it in the morning um and then had to go through that during the day and there was one glorious time where i went to a supermarket with my mum um having <laughs> so i'd gone i'd gone to visit my parents uh thought i'd forgotten my tablets panicked called the hospital they said yeah come along in the morning and pick them up 
Um, and then I found them in my bag the next morning before going to the hospital. So I took one then to try and kind of compensate for the dose I've missed. Um, and we went to the supermarket. And while we were in the supermarket, these tablets kicked in. And I remember having a 20 minute conversation stood in front of the sausages with some woman. Um, and I remember picking up a cheese grater. It was an amazing cheese grater. It had like six sides. It was one of these like giant cheese graters. You might've seen them before, but I'd never seen a cheese grater that was this big before. So I was just walking around the supermarket showing everyone this cheese grater. It was the <laughs> best thing. Um, and yeah, and then, you know, about three hours later, mum's like, are you all right now? And I'm like, yeah, that was horrible. I don't want that to happen ever again. No. <laughs> so yeah. I just don't like it. I don't like that, that feeling of not being in control. No. Um, so yeah, I think as well, just something you mentioned earlier that I thought about going back to kind of talking about dating profiles and stuff. Hmm. Um, something they've put on, on Grindr now is um, the ability to put your HIV status, which I think is a bit of a double-edged sword. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so a question that I've kind of got for you, Lucy, is, you know, when you said about you changed around your profile so that you had pictures that made it clear mm. that you had disability, mm. aside from, you know, people asking for clarification, did that attract any, any hate? Did anyone come in literally just to throw hatred at the fact not, that you no, had a disability? Not, uh, I can't try to think now. Not really, I don't think. Uh, there were some people that were like, oh, I'll race you down the supermarket, Al. I was like, I will beat you. <laughs> no, no sweat like i was gonna say you got 30 years of practice on. <laughs> yeah i can get my arms well back behind my wheel this will i will see you on the other side mate uh but no not really the, the like if anything like when i used to just like write it in my bio that would so it would take effort for people to find it go okay she's in a wheelchair i would often get um i can remember one guy he said, to, this was years ago, he said to me, um, first of all, like, when I got to the point, when I told him, like, oh, by the way, I'm in a wheelchair, he kind of said, like, oh, um, what, what is it you've got? Which is a lovely turn of phrase. Mm -hmm. um, and I sort of said cerebral palsy. And he said, oh, okay, what happened? <laughs> Another lovely turn of phrase. So I sort of <laughs> said, nothing exciting. I basically was born too early, had a lack of oxygen, and here we are. Like, I wasn't, my legs weren't bitten off by a shark or anything. Or, <laughs> um, and he said, oh, you should sue the hospital. And I was like, why Why would, this was like in 1987. Like, I'm like, <laughs> why would I do that? Um, and he said, Oh yeah, you should definitely see the hospital. I was like, well, I'm not. But thank you for the legal advice. <laughs> and then he said, because um, uh, I, I didn't really put any at that that time in the early days, I didn't really put my wheelchair on the profile because I thought I don't want to put people off, like well, yeah. because they they see the chair and they think that's all I am, and I'm not. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I didn't really use any photos of me in my chair at that time. And he said, oh, I think you're trying to trick people. Mm -hmm. And I was like what it was like well I, I can't see you in a wheelchair how do i know you're like i was like why would i lie about being in a wheelchair of all the things i could lie about why would i lie? so actually it was actually the other way around the fact that if i didn't show my wheelchair i felt like so this like i had i basically had two rounds of online dating the second mm -hmm. round i decided to mix it up a bit because then nobody could accuse me of lying or Absolutely. hiding things um and i do think though that like outside of your online dating experience loosely i mean it's not it's not something i've experienced but you have just had people out the blue yeah. being like you know 
look at you, you're in a wheelchair, it's fucking disgusting. Yeah. So yeah. I mean that is definitely something that uh, yeah. by being an being out there openly disabled on the internet, people will just throw hate at you for the sheer fact that you exist. I mean, we've we've been on the news for our podcast, haven't we, Alice? And the you know, the, for me there was always this line of, Oh God, are we gonna get a load of abuse because we're two disabled women on on the news who are just pissing about with a podcast really a mm. technical term but and we haven't had that we haven't had that but I've had other experiences where I've done media interviews and stuff and they've said oh like this will go out online and be prepared for a bit of backlash because you know the things I say aren't necessarily what everybody else believes and you know p- people you know people think you can't have different opinions on the internet and I sort of turned around to this producer and I was like, listen, I am a disabled woman on Twitter. <laughs> like, I've I've heard it all. I've had all sorts of abuse. Um, mm. You do kind of get a bit of a thick skin to it, really. Mm. But there is something about online dating that is quite a bit more like near the knuckle when it comes to, like, dealing with people being a bit of an arsehole about things mm-hmm. or just unmatching without even really saying anything when the, it's like when it's, they scrolled the profile and go, oh shit no like yeah no. it's it's a lot more personal isn't it you know like yeah. when you're when you're just online on media people see you as oh you're the girl with a disability but when yeah. you're on you know when you're on a, a dating a dating site you're putting yourself out there and yeah. so when people are then just responding to a disability that is personal then you know mm. <clears throat> and that's why the, the only reason i asked is because I didn't put my HIV status on my profile. You know, mm. I, I, I like being in control of when I release that information. Mm, yeah. And there was a fear that if I did, I was going to get some people just messaging me straight off and being like, oh, you're disgusting. And mm. some people that were going to just completely block me straight off because they, you know, that that approach of, oh, I don't want to get involved with that or mm. and not take the time to know me first. Because, you know, mm. if you think about my ex-boyfriend, the whole reason we got together is even despite his friends and family saying, you don't want to get involved in that was that we'd had that date first and he you thought the that connection. the rest of me was, was, worth, absolutely, was yeah. worth that thing. And, you know, I need to play to my strengths. So yeah, exactly. I exactly. Can't, can't put that information there. But at the same time, when you said about, you know, putting pictures of you, you know, and your wheelchair on the dating thing, I was like, well, actually that would take that conversation away from me needing to do it. So it yeah. is, it's a double-edged sword, I think. Oh, well, it was actually, Alice, I was talking to Alice about this when I sort of said, like, I've joined online dating and, she gave me advice and she said, look, Luce, just put your, put your pictures, like mix them in a bit. So it's not all you are, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's something that needs to be considered mm-hmm. um, because you don't want time wasters. You don't want to get no. to know somebody really, who's really nice. And then they do find out you're in a wheelchair and it's all gone to, to crap anyway. And at the same time, she said, if they don't like your wheelchair and you're getting like abuse, you, now is your perfect opportunity to not have to be that nice Lucy that everybody knows. You could just tell them to fuck off. So that's what I've been doing. Thank you, Alice. <laughs> I would say do do take my my online dating advice with a pinch of salt. Now uh, you I, tell me. I, now you I tell met, me. I met my husband in my best friend's living room. Okay. So <laughs> it was like <laughs> the the joke we tell is that out of our sort of. My most of my friends, in a weird sort of way, um, their partners are my husband's friends. So I, <laughs> yeah. I met I met my husband because my best friend is with one of his oldest friends. Right. So, um, we had this quite large group of sort of group of us, about ten or twelve of us, and um, 
and there was a period of time where he and I were the only single ones in the group. So it just kind of went, yeah, right. <laughs> You're, You're here. You're there. <laughs> no, and, uh, um, nearly 12 years on. You see, <laughs> must have worked. But, um, no, so... that, or we're both just too lazy to go outside and meet new people. <laughs> but I definitely guess both counts as having something in common. Yeah. Maybe. I definitely I definitely think though, like as I've got I think now I'm a little bit older, maybe I'm more comfortable sort of talking about my disability and how it affects me and stuff. So maybe that that's an approach. Like I'm not ashamed of my wheelchair. My wheelchair cost me a lot of money. I want people to look at it. It's beautiful. Like <laughs> appreciate it. Um so you know, and if if they're gonna be if they're gonna be an asshole about it straight off the bat then they're not the right person for me are they really so that's the way yeah. i look at it and it was alice's advice of just put your phone and like you don't have to be a nice person to everybody like to, to all intents and purposes these people who message you in the first instance are strangers like mm-hmm. yeah just act like they're strangers who give you shit in the supermarket yeah so that's what that's what i do now thanks al thanks <laughs> tiller <laughs> There was a guy. There was a guy that I I met on a on an app, and then I was um, his house was on my way home from work. So I saw him a few times, um, and I was um, at that point I was thinking about becoming a teacher, mm. um, and he was a teacher. Um, so th- there was lots that we could talk about, um, and it wasn't really a, a hookup thing. It wasn't like I go to his on the way home for a shag. It was like I'd go to his on the way home, and maybe we'd have a kiss and a cuddle. But for the most part, we'd probably have just a chat about how we were and then we'd move on so it was quite nice um but there was one time uh we were talking this was the last time i saw him unsurprisingly um we were chatting <laughs> in his living room and he said um because i'd not told him about my hiv status um because things hadn't progressed to that point where i needed to um and he we were talking and um he was asking about what i look for in a guy so i was saying things like them being intelligent having a good sense of humor blah 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 blah, blah. um and then he said to me would you ever date a black guy and i was like well yes right what sort of a question is that? <laughs> yeah. um, and he was, and he was like, "Oh no, I don't think I could." And I, legitimately, I was like, "Why? why? Like, where does that, where does that come from?" Um, and he was like, oh. "He's like, it's really bad, but I just think they all have HIV." And then I was like, "Well, I'm out. Like, that's it. I'm done. Like, I can't." Bye now. Because there was so much. Like, and this guy up until that point had been so lovely to talk to, but then that just that one opinion, I was like, Gee, like. I... Way to stab me! Way to stab the yeah, entire, yeah, yeah. entire race of people. Yeah, like and uh, but that perception still stands. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a I, I don't know. I don't. And that that is a real key memory for me in my brain mm. as a, a real thing that happened. Yeah, that is a real thing that people think. <laughs> like, I think as well with the stigma of like you saying the stigma of HIV and the like the media representation of what HIV. Like, you know, I always remember that. Like, I see clips of the tombstone advert about hiv and the tombstones falling over all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and that stigma of hiv is is very similar to the kind of stigma that i think people learn about disability from an angle of oh they're poor you know if we're not paralympians we're basically amoebas who are dying um yeah. and i am neither of those <laughs> like i'm not a paralympian like that's the first question do you, do you play any sport no do you like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you um uh, and you know they, they think oh the poor the poor people sitting in juggle bottoms with egg drop down them because they can't feed themselves properly and it's like 
yeah, I have problems. I have problems feeding myself, but that's not because of anything to do. It's just because I'm clumsy and I, I'm hungry and I want to get it in my face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the main reason I drop things down my front. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's, it's very... It um, makes me think of, I can't remember what the character's name was. I think her name was Lisa off of um, EastEnders and her fella, was it Mark possibly his name was, uh, was HIV positive. And all I can remember yeah. very specifically him saying something like he's found somebody who's actually willing to have sex with him. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, that that just says so much about the way that people think about i mean the the way that we are encouraged ourselves as people with health conditions and disabilities is find someone who's willing to have not not wants to <laughs> who's like excited about it yeah. someone who could Oh, well, it's like taking the bins oh, out. On, you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're the only one, you're the bottom of the barrel, but you'll do because I'm desperate. You know, that Yeah, really... it's just like, oh, fine, I'll do it for you. It needs to be done. It's, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think that's, I think that that's kind of it. And I think that as much as I can see with the idea of putting the HIV status up on Grindr, like, there is an there is an element of going kind of good, you know. That's it's being really open. It's trying to destigmatize, but I would feel really worried yeah. that there are going to be, you know, that that your connection with people would partly, you'd be kind of, oh well, I, I, even though this person's a dickhead, I can't I can't let them go because mm -hmm. they they're willing to date me mm -hmm. because they know. Yeah. Whereas if you take your approach, Lee, of getting to know someone and when the time is right sharing that information with them mm -hmm. it's like you know your ex made the decision based yeah. on the connection that you had Absolutely. i mean and i suppose your your way of disclosing that information they can lead to be it being a little bit painful where if they turn mm. turn around and show their true colors that's like ah ah because yeah. i actually really like you and you're an asshole. yeah uh, that that is that that is something i really struggle with that if i you know if i find out there are i mean i've got a horrific story to tell about online dating experiences that are completely not my confidence and i didn't do it again for years um because of it and you just think oh i'm not doing that again like it mm. takes a lot to so i think pick yourself back up dust yourself back off and go okay we're going to do this again because you got to like stop right from the beginning of hi how yeah. are you knowing what's to come it's a very brave thing to do but um i mean if like with with my disability if they don't mention my disability when i'm talking to them i don't necessarily bring it up now because mm -hmm. they can see i'm in a wheelchair if they've mm -hmm. got any questions they'll ask uh, but sometimes you can sense it coming you're like oh, here it comes here it comes <laughs> and then after i've told them it's like a big sigh of relief for that oh they're still here they're asking me what my favorite tv show is that's lovely uh but yeah it's a, it's a very it's a very brave thing to do i think um and i think the whole putting your hiv status on online dating do you think lee that's come from like covid statuses on, <laughs> on dating apps i don't know uh, i i don't i don't i don't think so um no? I, I, don't, I don't think so i think it's it's about um 
well i think with the emergence of um the prep drug um which yeah. is the the you know the, the preventative hiv drug um uh -huh. i think that's helped because then uh, your prep status is there as well if you're if you're on, negative on prep or you right. know so you can you can put what what the deal is there um mm -hmm. so i think it was just from kind of i think it's about trying to destigmatize hiv but mm. for someone with hiv that's the idea of putting it just putting there that you know because also there's people are weird yeah um, <laughs> yeah and, yes you know, they are yeah i don't want to i don't want to yuck anyone's yum but there are people out there that you know um are hiv negative and are actively looking for an hiv positive partner I don't know why. I don't know what their that that mentality is. But there's something like there. I've seen kind of snapshots on Twitter because everything's on Twitter. But of people like asking to be posed, you know, asking to be made HIV positive, which blows my mind. I just don't in, understand it. Yeah, in the most neg and I don't want to be. I don't want to like be inviting people like that. Even if I said because again, it's saying um, positive, undetectable. So, yeah. you know, people would know, educated people would know that I wasn't able to pass that on. Um, but I don't want to, like, have someone come around to me and be like, yo, can you infect me? That's the weirdest fucking thing. It's a little bit disabled devotee, isn't it? Yeah. It's a little bit like, ah, oh, you know, you're disabled and I want to, like, look at your feet because they don't work. It's Or I want to watch you struggle as you get on the sofa. And and... I could understand if, like if if hiv was like being bitten by that spider off of spider-man mm -hmm. but it yeah it's I a mean, cool that's cool isn't it if you know, I was gonna say, it's kind of gonna make you poorly yeah. like is that really what you i i can't personally do not as you say see what the drawer is it's not a chicken pox party <laughs> no, it's not I know. Like, I'll do this once, then you're covered for like yeah. The rest yeah. of your life, you won't get it again. Like once you've got it, you've got it. It's like it's not you know. Let's sit little Johnny down next to you know, <laughs> yeah. see if he can get chicken pox and get it out of the way while he's far. Absolutely, it's weird. So yeah. weird. No, really, weird. really odd. Really People odd. are strange. People are. Strange. So, do you think, Lee, if this? If the thing, you know, the grinder putting up the HIV status thing is a a push to try and destigmatize, mm -hmm. I mean, what would you say needs to happen kind of alongside that work? Because I think there is, you know, there's more complexity to those those stigmas. And although encouraging people to be open and not ashamed of their label is is one thing. Yeah, I, I know when I got my when I got my diagnosis, um the doctor and my mum actually, because when I had to tell her and that was Jesus, that was a whole fucking story. Um like because obviously telling my parents was something that I had to do in case anything went wrong. Mm. Um you know because I could have I could have kept it a secret. I know that the 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 person that I got diagnosed with, I think he, his opinion is I don't need to tell my parents. You know, I'm 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 not gonna need to tell my parents um, because I'll be fine and they never need to know. But again, he's a little bit older than, well, he's a lot older than I was. And um, so his parents are, are significantly older, but my parents went through that that generation, but have still got a lot of their life left. So kind of, I had to have that conversation. And when I told my mum, it was like an instant breakdown um, because, yeah because she the 80s were her time period that was it that was yeah. when she was a teenager when she was at her most influential from media and yeah. you know 
And that was hard. That was really, really hard. My gran, on the other hand, telling her was brilliant. She <laughs> she literally, I, I told her, thought she was going to react in a similar way. And she went, well, medicine's come on a long way. I'm sure you'll be fine. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> so telling her was great. Exactly, exactly. Um, but telling mum was, yeah, that was a real, a real hard time. And then my sister, who's younger than me, she was in the room with mum at the time um and because mum reacted so badly my sister reacted really badly and she didn't yeah. even she didn't even know what hiv was and she was an absolute mess because of how scared my mum was mm. so yeah. it was a real real tough tough moment um but then mum went away and did what mum does which is a buttload of research um and so what she told me mirrored what the doctor said which is that um the highest increase in hiv um cases was actually in straight females um because of the increase of bisexuality but also um dating apps being more like hooking at uh, hook up hook up hook up apps mm-hmm. um and the amount of straight men that were kind of utilizing those apps for homosexual purposes and then yeah. and bringing that back so yeah, actually yeah. there was a huge huge surge of um of uh, HIV positive cases in straight females um, yeah. and actually I think what needs to happen is it's almost the gayness needs to be taken out of the HIV yes. um, because we're living in a world now where anyone Anybody can, can get it, and yeah. most likely will sleep with anyone do you know what I mean um, <laughs> and I mean that in the most positive way possible you know as a, a sex forward community now you know that's that's <laughs> great but the 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 HIV being the gay disease is still a stigma that's there. You know, yeah. it's still a thing that people think of. And we need to get rid of that and look at it as the permanent threat, even though it's not as threatening as it was, it's still mm. something that sticks with you. And no one wants a permanent blemish. Do you know what I mean? No one no. So do that. you think we should be pushing for Tinder to have a HIV badge? Yeah. I think if, if Grinder should do it, everyone should do it. Because yeah. just Grinder having it is is it still saying this is a thing for gay people and yeah. it's not it only know? affects yeah only affects gay people don't yeah. worry about straight people yeah i know absolutely exactly what you mean. um yeah. so you know should it be on it probably doesn't need to be on lesbian apps i don't even know how two women would pass hiv on like i don't i don't know how that would that would work i don't know i imagine it would work probably the same way i, I don't i don't i don't know enough about the female anatomy i'm a gay man it's not really uh brilliant brilliant complete segue brilliant story um about just before christmas i got put in to cover a year seven science lesson on the female anatomy not a fucking <laughs> we not like a we like turn your but turn your textbooks to page seven and just read yeah, that like, <laughs> i get there there's an exercise sheet of all of these this terminology that literally anyone should freaking know and i'm like i have no idea where any of these <laughs> are on a woman are like none i have zero experience of this yeah. <laughs> oh brilliant. that's brilliant <laughs> you in terms of you know being a teacher um obviously you know you've shared your hiv status within your personal life i i can only imagine that there would be some difficult backlash were you to kind of share that in your professional life but i do also know that you know you've done a lot of work supporting and advocating for some of your lgbtq students mm-hmm. you know is that something that's kind of come up that you've I have thought about disclosing my HIV status so many times. Um, 
like so the thing with so let me uh, backstory for kind of the, the the lgbt advocacy is um so as i explained i kind of grew up in a kind of homophobic household now again don't get me wrong my dad doesn't go around beating up gay people it's just the reaction of oh there's two people there's two gay people interacting and his reaction is very visceral and guttural and like oh that's disgusting he would never go up to them and tell them that they're disgusting but his personal Mm. reaction is that's gross and as a member of his family that was the reaction that i would see yeah if that makes sense yeah um so um and when i came out to to my well i didn't come out to my dad i called my mum up and i said Hey mum, yeah, I've got a boyfriend now, and she went okay, and I went, can you tell dad? Thanks, bye. Uh, (laughs) Um, Pass the message on, will you? (laughs) Yeah, and then my dad called me. I mean, it took him two weeks, but two weeks later he called me, and he was like, I just wanted to have a chat. I wanted to tell you I still love you. I tell you it's okay. I don't think any less of you. Blah blah blah. And you know, and my dad's done some really great work in kind of familiarizing himself and making that okay. Do you know what I mean? So he's he's done the work, uh, and um kind of but there is that element for me of when I got to the when I got to teaching we were taught as teachers as a batch of teachers um that if you talk a little bit about yourself as a human being and your life so if you you know if you're married if you've got kids if you've got a dog you know those little snippets of information the students absolutely love they latch onto yeah. it because they're learning a little bit about you they're like peeking um, in through the window isn't it and going oh there he is yeah that's what, pe- that's what people say to us about podcasters they really like <laughs> apparently our listeners really like to know more about us so. they just like listening to us gossip don't they really? <laughs> absolutely like, so i um in my spare time i don't have a lot of ice stream um, and it's the same, it's the same thing. Like and when I'm yeah. watching other streamers, anytime they give you a little bit of information about their life, you're like, oh, that's great. I, you know, I, I'm learning, I'm building this little picture up about you as a person. Mm. Um, but when I got in the classroom, I realized, well, I can't do that because, you know, I went through the same as I'm presuming you guys did an era where LGBT stuff wasn't talking about in schools. You didn't speak about it. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. I'm like, I can't talk about my kids because I don't have any I can't talk about my pets because I don't have any I can't even talk about my relationships because they're gay relationships mm-hmm. I I have very little in comparison to, to a straight person yeah. to talk about um mm-hmm. and then I was like so what do I do and I tried to look for help online and there was nothing and I asked my teacher at, like, at the at the university and he was like I, I don't know mm-hmm. and I was like okay well this is a thing so um and then what happened was um I was teaching a year eight class um and i have taught in schools in, of a low socioeconomic area so they're all kind of mostly working class children um mm-hmm. with kind of the same kind of parents as my dad so those same kind of opinions and um one of the we were talking about relationships because that's what we do in drama sometimes you're talking about human relationships um and one of the students asks if i've uh, if i'm married do you have a girlfriend? No. Do you want me to set you up with someone? No. <laughs> Why not, sir? Because I'm really happy the way that I am. Okay, fine. And then one girl just says to me, so are you gay, sir? Um, and my gut reaction was to go, no. And then we moved on with the lesson and I set them off on a task. And so they're, they're doing something and that's going around in my brain is... I just lied to a student and I lied about myself. And that sat so horribly with where I am that at the end of the lesson, I held that girl back and let the rest of the class go. And I was like, I need to apologize because I lied to you. Um, I'm like, I am gay, but I don't really want that to 
be the way that everyone finds out. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. And she now this girl has a reputation for being one of the most high profile and difficult girls in the year group. <laughs> so I was already like alarm bells were going and I'm like, I'm fucked. That's it. The end of my career. Um, and <laughs> she's like, oh, no, I get it. So I won't tell anyone. Now, inevitably, she told some people, but it having that conversation with her slowed down the process. Um, yeah. And so she was telling people much more slowly in a, in a you know, one to one kind of basis. And by about three weeks on, it had gotten out. Um, and it was fine. There was no no negative backlash at all while I was at that school. Um, and I, I left that school. Then I think I was at that school for two years. Mm -hmm. When I moved to um, the, well, before I moved to the new school, what started happening was I started getting students coming to me and asking LGBT related questions because they had nowhere else to go. Mm -hmm. And word had gotten out that, you know, I was gay. Now, again, students would also come to me about other teachers and be like, is this teacher gay? And I'm like, I'm not telling you, that's not, I don't, I don't know. That's not, that's not my business. That's their yeah. business, you know? Um, but while I was there, I started doing a master's in teaching and learning. Um, and uh, I started to document my experiences as a gay teacher and the impact of me telling my students and how that helped to build relationships. Mm -hmm. And while I was there, there were um, at least three other teachers at that school that were LGBT. And so as a study for university, I interviewed those students and I've, I can send you the links for this if you want them, because um, the, um, my paper is available online just to read. But I interviewed them about their approach. Do they tell their students how that makes them feel, why they've made the decision they've made to try and put together um, some experiences, much like your podcast, of what LGBT teachers do so that other LGBT teachers can make a decision on how they want to handle it mm. because at the end of the day it's, it's your choice the same with how we're handling the dating apps it's our choice how we want to go about doing that yeah and there were some teachers that shows no that's my personal boundary I'm not letting the students in on that and there are others that are like I'm thinking about it I've told a couple of select students blah 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 um when I then moved school so I've been at my current school now for four years I wanted to hit that straight away as I got there so within a couple of months um, I found the senior team at the school and I said, I want to set up a group for LGBT students or for students that have questions about LGBT issues. Because at the moment, I don't feel like education is hitting it as hard as it should be. So I set that group up um, and it got it was very, very well received. Um, so um, actually, I've taken full responsibility there. There was I, I told my students um, almost kind of within the first couple of weeks. Now, I don't do a everyone sit down. We're going to talk about how gay I am. We don't have that. <laughs> that um, but as, as a drama teacher, when we're looking at relationships and stuff, when it comes up or when students, typically it's when students use casual homophobia that I'll mm, then yeah. I'll flip the coin and I'll be like, well, hang on, because you're in my classroom and I'm a gay man and you've just described so-and-so as gay as an insult, which doesn't make me feel good. And so then we have that and, oh, you're gay, sir. And then we have that conversation um, yeah. and it kind of, it, it breeds that kind of um, that environment of honesty and also safety for the students mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they know that I've been vulnerable with them and so they can be vulnerable with me. So as a teaching mechanism, that works really well. Um, and a student came up to me and was like, sir, I feel like we need an LGBT group. And I was like, yes, okay, fine, I'll do it. And so that was kind of where that, that came from. Um, the, the was that an LGBT one. student? It was an LGBT student, yes. So... I took it to SLT and SLT's response was was really interesting and something I'd not considered before, which is they said, yes, 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 do that. It's something that we've identified that we need. 
But mm. we can't just ask someone to say it up. We can't go to an LGBT teacher and go, you're gay, you're can gay. you do this? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So they can't do that. And at the same time, you know, teacher sexuality isn't really anything to do with the senior Work. management team. That doesn't yeah. matter. Um, so they were like, it's, and if a straight teacher set up, you'd have the same thing. Like we talked about the doctor at the start, where the mm -hmm. kids are like, well, we feel gay, but you're not. So thanks for trying to help us. But at the same time, there isn't that level of similarity there, no, you no. know? So no. I kind of established that and set it up. Um, and it's been going from strength to strength. The government itself has kind of put a twist on education over the last kind of couple of years with a big focus on LGBT inclusion and making sure that's included and being taught about in the curriculum. So a complete flip from 30 years ago, where now actually they're saying we need to talk about this because the kids were learning too much too fast because they were going onto the internet themselves because they weren't getting the information from yeah. schools. Um, so again, you know, the students are still encouraged to do that, but I'm there to say, if you see something and you're confused about it, come and ask me. And, you know, and I'll have no filter. I'll have yeah. no filter. Because if they've seen something, they've already seen it and that needs to be yeah. tackled. I can't then put up a professional boundary and be like, oh, I'm not going to talk to you about fisting because you've seen something online. Like, if they ask me a question about that because they've seen it, mm -hmm. they need to have that information. Exactly, so, yeah. You know, because the um, worst thing they can do is learn from fucking YouTube or pornography. Exactly, exactly. Um, and there are still a lot of teachers that that alienates, a lot of teachers that would think that that's inappropriate, you know. Um, uh, but if it's always student-led conversation as long as yeah. the student brings it to me i'll talk about it yeah um, you're not you're not openly gonna go up to somebody else no i'm it. not jesus not talking about this thing <laughs> or anything else you've got to wait for them to go okay this, yeah I've, yeah yeah i think it must be so hard to be you know with with any job it's difficult to separate who you are from what you do mm -hmm. you know lucy works in marketing and there's an element of the way that she works as in marketing is driven by who she is and her personality mm -hmm. i think as an educator it must be so difficult not to bring your personal prejudices mm -hmm. and stuff into the classroom absolutely but it is so important that you don't because then you're I mean, you're fucking up an entire generation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, I think the as a drama teacher, there's a little bit of flexibility there. Mm. Um, but again, yeah. the, the, you do need to be careful because a lot of drama is about kind of putting forward opinions um, mm. through performance. And so, actually, there is a time where I can put opinions forward, and there's times where I put forward opinions that aren't my own. Um, but I always prefix them with this is just my opinion. I'm not teaching you this is fact. And I make it yeah. so explicit. Um, yeah. And sometimes, you know, when a student puts forward their opinion, I'll be like, oh, that's a great opinion. The counter opinion might be this, or this. what would you say to me if I was to say this, you know? And I think I, into, I, I um, mix it up so much that the students don't know what's my opinion and what's a fabricated opinion yeah. that I'm creating for drama. Um, and so <laughs> there is an element of that. But sometimes it's interesting just to kind of get the, the opinions in the room as well, because you mm -hmm. have to at least make out like you're sharing your opinion so that the students feel comfortable sharing their opinion. And yeah. that's, I think, a problem with today's student culture is a lot of students don't feel like they can share their opinion because they don't see anyone, they don't see teachers sharing their opinion because you're not no. allowed allowed to. So it's no. about kind of building a facade for how do you share an opinion so the students share opinions without actually sharing an opinion. And I think also doing, you know, what you did, they're kind of challenging and countering that. It made me think of 
um in my new job i've started doing this uh it's it's health awareness raising for um young people with ld and autism and in our very first session we do a uh we call it healthy celebs and we basically bring up pictures of celebrities who are known to have or have had health sorry. conditions sorry i thought you said slab i was like what's a slab can somebody tell me what a slab is celebs oh. <laughs> i was like slab something i missed something sorry Carry um, on. and um one of the things we did was we put up a picture of Chad chadwick boseman mm-hmm. and i said does everybody know who this is and everybody was like oh it's black panther and i was like yes brilliant and i said does everybody know you know what happened to him and they everybody said he died he had cancer and i said does anybody know what kind of cancer he had and immediately everybody went oh it was probably lung cancer from smoking weed because he's a young black man wow oh my god and i i i turned around and i said he had bowel cancer he had really aggressive bowel cancer that is really hard to detect and so he died very quickly and it was just really you know, and and I just use that as an opportunity to say to people, what, why do you think that that was what you, you know, immediately what you came to? I did then later present them with Snoop Dogg and said, and what do you know when we think about health conditions? What do people <laughs> people's immediate thoughts about Snoop Dogg? And they were like, getting high as a fucking kite. And I was like, I mean, yes, Correct. that is Correct. very much what he is known for. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, I think it, it's, that is probably one of, I think, what's the kind of the real joys of being a teacher. I don't class myself as a teacher. I do not have those skills, really. I am a <laughs> a, a dabbler with too much responsibility. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> Proper CV title that, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it's, and I think, you know, one of the things, again, in, in terms of teaching is, it is that kind of you do have a responsibility to encourage young people to to start challenging things and thinking for themselves and i think in by being open about your sexuality and also you know if you were ever in a position where you felt able to be open about your hiv status you know for a lot of young people that would really challenge their perspectives mm-hmm. I think as well, it's one of my my favourite things about being an advocate and somebody who's willing to talk about my experiences to people. I'll talk to to anybody who is interested in my experiences because I think every little helps. Do you know what I mean? So I I get a lot of um, students who are doing dissertations on the last one. The last interview I did was about um, home working during the pandemic and how it helped me as a disabled person. And having being able to have that one-on-one time with them, so that they and they actively want to hear my opinion, mm-hmm. and that, uh, I always do have like a little bit of time afterwards where I'm like, "Do you have any questions?" And I say to them like, "It doesn't really matter if you think it is a stupid question. I will answer it because I have heard all of the stupid questions yeah. under the sun. Nothing surprises me anymore." Um, and I think they get a lot out of it because of my willing to be open about yeah. it. I don't particularly, and this is again through me and Alice, I don't particularly do the thing where I 
where somebody goes, what's wrong with you then in the street? And I tell them, I used to. And then I thought, Alice went, why are you doing that? There's no need to do that. <laughs> like, they're a stranger. Um, but if they actively ask and say, because I'm doing a dissertation on X, Y, Z, then I will tell them. Mm. And it is one of, because I think I, it really like gives me hope for the future when you are talking to these people who actively want these conversations. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of makes me think, well, it's not, it's not all bad, is it really? You know, there, <laughs> there are people out there wanting to understand and, and help, you know, a little bit. Yeah. I just think, I think that approach, your approach, Lee, is, is the way it should be really in this day and age. Thanks. You know? <laughs> it's nice You're very welcome. That. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> it's been a real joy to, to talk to you, Lee. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on with us while you were here? I don't know. I, th I think I think one I think one other thing that I've maybe not mentioned that I do mention quite a lot to people when I'm talking about this is the change that um, my diagnosis had on my personality. Mm -hmm. um, so after my diagnosis for maybe, I don't know, three or four months, uh, I was pretty down understandably mm -hmm. um but then it was like um lucy you just mentioned a light bulb moment and it was like that there was a moment where it kind of kicked in and i went well i don't know you know life is a complete surprise after surprise after surprise and so that means why should i be sat around being fucking miserable um and so from that moment i've been a much more positive person i've taken a lot of kind of big blows um less in a less dramatic way, you know, so if someone is going to say something that's quite offensive, um, um, I will shrug it off a little bit more and be like, I haven't got time to waste with this one person that's offensive. Yeah. I'm going to go and deal with something better, you know? Um, and, um, it, it actually, it almost promoted me to do more stuff, you know? Um, mm. and I'm really grateful that my brain managed to do that flip because I think it could have been very easy to have been really sad and woe is me for, the entirety of my life um but actually that flipping positivity and that flipping literally any anything could happen um let's just do everything that we can i think um has been really beneficial for me and has kind of meant that my life's been on a real upward trajectory since then which has been really nice that's so great to hear i, really. I think that it that resonates quite a lot with um an episode that's uh, we sort of did in uh sort of preempting this pride series where uh fiona talked about um a lot of newly disabled people mm -hmm. experiencing that very this is this is the end of my life everything is terrible and actually the not engaging with the you know those who have had disabilities and chronic illnesses and stuff for on the more long term yeah and in seeing that the disabled it, joy that well, I and it. that you can just get on with shit like that <laughs> you can just go like this is my life and i could sit here and be miserable and yes sometimes things are hard but in i but going you know i i don't have time to deal with the shit because yeah. there's other stuff i i want to do mm -hmm. and yeah. you know especially i especially like the the idea of kind of going it's almost almost rising you know it it lowers your tolerance for bullshit and mm -hmm. i think rises helps you rise above the kind of stuff that is really really hard there is an element of going well i've had the shit kicked out of me once already mm -hmm. and i got through it 
Mm. Like I can get through this. I think you realize, you realize the power that you have as a human being to choose. Like if, if you receive some bad news about a health condition or a disability and you know, you're going to have, you need time to process. So you're going to have time where you're sad, but it's when your brain says, actually the disability or the health condition isn't what's ruining my life right now. What's ruining my life Mm -hmm. is the way I'm reacting to the fact that that exists. Yeah. And as soon as you've got that, it's so empowering to go, so I'm just going to not care. And then that's it. Like (laughs) all of a sudden your life quality has improved tenfold because you've gone, actually I'm taking control of this. Yeah. I control the condition. The condition doesn't control me. Yeah. It, it, in fact, more often than not, more than rather than getting sad about my disability, I tend to get angry about mm-hmm. stuff. And like <laughs> my, my friends and I always joke that whenever something horrible or it unjust happens to me, I happen to just get on Twitter, call a press conference, get the press involved, and they will sort it out. It's like, this is not on. Can somebody listen to me, please? And I, I, I won't let it go either because I get so irate and so angry that, like, steps and stairs and, you know, this is not right. You're you're being I ableist. Think, I think that's the difference as well. I think that difference between <laughs> sadness and anger is really important because I think sadness is you reacting to the potential of things that you might yeah. not be able to do or the things you've lost. Whereas yeah. anger is reacting in the now to something yeah. that is currently happening and something that is, as you've put it, unjust or unfair or, you know, just unreasonable for the sake of being unreasonable and should be fucking fixed, you know? Uh, and I think that's more difficult. I told Alice the other day that I'd had a dream that... um she basically said, you, you've got far too much, you've got far too much uh, going on that's upsetting us. Uh, we're just going to call the press conference, sort this out. And I turned up wearing a fur coat with big sunglasses. And she was like, I'm going to read a statement on behalf of Lucy. <laughs> and I just didn't say anything. I was like, I'm not speaking to the press. She was like, you need to stop eating cheese before bed. <laughs> like, I was just sort of sat there with my lipstick on, like, I'm not speaking to anybody. Alice did it for me. <laughs> <laughs> proper like Jackie O style diva. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, I get angry more than sad. Lee, it's been so great to have you on. Thank you so much. Do you want to tell people where they can find you on the internet if you want people to find you on the internet? Um, I don't mind people finding me on the internet. Um, the easiest way to get hold of me is probably through uh, Twitter, where I am Leadipus. That's L-E-E-D-I-P-U-S. Um, like I say, I'm a streamer in my spare time, so a lot of um, my streaming stuff gets put on there, but also things about um, the stuff that I'm doing in education get put on there as well um because i like to keep everything together because i am one Mm. person and i don't like to split that into a gajillion different accounts um so uh, that's all there um and uh you can uh dm me through that and i'll give you an email address if you wanted to contact me about something a little bit more kind of detailed um that's that's fine by me if you give us all the links to that lee we can stick it in the show notes for this episode lovely find you there thanks so much for your time today it's been really interesting to talk to you um and i could i could quite easily sit in the pub and talk to you for hours on end so (laughs) should we sort that out (laughs) yeah let's let's do that sorry let's do that i didn't want to come across like me being like oh no she wants to talk to me back out back out (laughs) (laughs) which way do i swipe to say no (laughs) get away from me Uh, and on that note guys (laughs) we'll see you next time hopefully you're not swiping to get away from us no let's hope not (laughs) 
<laughs> Thanks, everyone. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Label Podcast. If you like the show, you can rate, review and subscribe and you can follow us on social media at Labeled Pod. This episode was edited by Adam Hall. Our music was by Maisie Crunden and we'd like to thank the rest of the team involved. <laughs>